Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on the show... The one, the only, Dax Shepard. Dax and I met while doing a movie in 2004 called Without a Paddle. It was love at first sight. You can find Dax on Instagram or as the Johnny Carson of podcasts, armchair expert, or at Dax Shepard. I met an all-time worse for my nicotine intake. Yeah, it's the worst it's ever been. How much? Not smoking. That's the only thing I'm not doing. Okay. Dip. I, I discovered these. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have a phase on so these? Like a year and a half. Oh, my God. I, I fooled myself into thinking we went to Lake Arrowhead, uh-huh. and Aaron was still smoking. He has since quit, but he was making those darts look so yummy in that alpine setting. <laughs> yeah. Crisp air. Oh. You get a little extra because it's cool, and you get the mist contributing to it. If he had come down the side of the mountain on a horse uh, smoking one of those cigarettes, it wouldn't have shocked me. Right. By the way, first time I've had an urge to smoke a cigarette in 15 plus years. And then someone there at the house was vaping. I was like, well, I'm going to do that. Yeah. That'll be my compromise. Yeah. I'll do it for a week. And three months later, do you, I fucking but it. It, it. Listen. Oh, they're terrible. I don't think I would be as embarrassed smoking a cigarette as oh, I am vaping. I couldn't agree with you more. It is so embarrassing. Yeah. And I had a, a a real low point was I also bought a really douchey car. What is it? It's like a – I hesitate to say because A, they're a sponsor. Okay. Right. I'm going to say it anyways because yeah. I fucking love it. At the end of the day, I love it. It's a Charger Hellcat wide oh, body. Yeah. <laughs> it's obnoxious. It's a four-door sedan that's 707 horsepower. Oh, my And God. I have it lowered, and I have the windows tinted, and I was at a fucking light with the window cracked, and I was banging on this vape, and I'm like, look at me. I would hate my <laughs> right. guts. If I saw myself at a stoplight, I would hate me. But we do it. And then I laid rubber and, you know, yeah. said, to hell with it. I'm just going to go all in. I just like that I could do it on a plane mm-hmm. and, like, you know, even if I'm doing this or holding my breath so that it, nothing comes out, <laughs> yep. which I became very good at doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I really enjoy them. But Also, with the mask, I've flown twice now during corona. You just got it in your mask. I have it like under my mask and then I fool myself that the mask is uh, – is, is, masking that somehow the vapor is getting absorbed in the mask and I'm not creating a cloud around myself or also just put my face in my sweatshirt yeah yeah and And exhale in there yeah it diffuses it oh my god so I'm on that and then I had the bright idea I'm gonna go back on dip to get off the vape yeah because I can easily get off dip I've gotten off of it a dozen times and then you know what I'm doing now Dipping, I'm vaping, and lozenges. You're doing all three. All of it. My wife is like, you are just, you just, I just cycle through all the options yeah. all day long. So 
the last time I saw you, you were on two milligrams. Mm-hmm. And this was a thing where I was like, this, it's never occurred to me to actually do the thing where you try to get off of them and go to two milligrams. I've just been at four for 15 years. Yes. Yes. So you inspired me. I went to two milligrams, but I will say in the last month, there are a few four milligrams hidden in here yeah. as treats that I, sure. I don't, you know. I immediately want one now that you've said that. A yeah. four. The real reason, I think I told you then, the only reason I'm on the twos, I, I would definitely be on the fours, but I like this brand, Habitrol, because it doesn't give me gas. That brand gives me tremendous gas. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it until I had, I did quit those. Somehow I was not on any nicotine for two years. And the gas went away. No gas. I just thought I had bad gas. <laughs> And I, I don't have bad gas. And is it just a byproduct that's in this that's I, not in that? That's right. I think there's some bonding agent in that big clumpy chalky one yeah. that's not in this silky smooth one. I'm going to try Well, now that again. you – Now that I'm you, two Let me throw you these. Yeah, because before when I offered them to you, rightly so, you were like, I can't do a two. No, I was, yeah. I was four milligrams only. There's something weird about them though. Ugh, I'm not a thrower. The math – so there's some there's some enigma with the math with nicotine because putting two twos in your mouth is not the same as putting a four in your mouth. Would you agree? I totally agree. But I was at the point where I was putting two fours in my I mouth. I know you are. Yeah. I know you are. We've had some some of my happiest texts have been back and forth with you because <laughs> right. generally no, the, the, the decks. The fucking stress and pressure pressure about Diet Cokes that we lived with. <laughs> yes, yes. This was real. Yes, yes, yes. I quit those for a, a year and a half at one point. Uh, yeah, I quit them for a long time too. You're off now or on? No, I'm – but I'm temperate. There is no wonton consumption of Diet Coke on my part. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> wonton? Just like oh, free for all. Okay. Whatever yeah. I yeah. – Blitzkrieg? Yeah. <laughs> Because I think with any of these things that whether they're good or bad or or not, yeah, I gotta I have to practice restraint in everything in cigarettes and salt. If I salted my food the way I wanted to salt yeah. my food, it would get really out of hand. Now, what do you do? Because I'm new to, and I think I told you this. I didn't I didn't care about steak my whole life. Yeah, and then about two years ago, I was like, I'm actually going to put some time into. I'm going to buy every cut they have, and I'm going to cook them and see if I actually do like Well, it turns out I love two of the cuts, right? Okay. And then I started bumping into you at McCall's. Yeah. And so what I'm learning through this is, like, you can't put enough salt on meat before no. you cook it. Nope. it like, it, it's shocking what you, you – Yeah. You do a full crust of salt. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You almost want to bury it in a salt mine yeah. and then pull it out and cook sure. it. Sure. And I think I learned that from that awesome Netflix show, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Did you watch that? Yeah, amazing. Oh, my God. It made me so hungry. But I was watching her salt stuff, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what a real chef does? Yeah. And then I've done that, and by God, does it yield results. It is unbelievable what salt can do. By the way, let me ask you this. Now that now that we're in this, this free, wonderful zone where we're fucking around with the Diet Cokes. Yes, yes. What do you think of MSG? You want to have your life changed, Dax? Yeah. Bury a steak in MSG. Oh, really? Oh, my <laughs> God. What does it do to it? It's an orgasm oh. in your mouth. Oh. Like, for real. Is it? Does it tap into that, that one taste they have in Japan we don't? Umami. Umami. It yeah. does? That's it. That's, oh, that's it is. All, it, it is umami. Oh, fuck. 
Hmm. Where do you get it? You got to go like. Listen, to a, there is an Asian market. Uh-huh. I have a three pound bag of straight MSG. It looks like a kilo of cocaine. Uh-huh. And it's I white? treat it like that. It's white powder. Oh. Oof. By itself, it you still need a little salt, but I'm telling you, it's a light it's a so game changer. Your rub is just MSG. MSG salt. If I want to get real fancy, I'll do a little cinnamon sometimes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. A little yeah. dash of uh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Now, what are the wh- cuts you like again? The ribeye, yeah. It's, I mean, that's number one. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. and then the New York, yeah, good yeah. cuts. Dax Shepard, yeah. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Oh, I'm so so honored and pleased to be here. I reached out to you, really, initially. Yeah, I was yeah. driving home I from knew, a track yes. day, and I said, "I've discovered your podcast. I think you're amazing at it, and I'm at your disposal if you ever want to have." Well, me. it feels a little bit like I'm having Johnny Carson onto my PBS. <laughs> talk show that's horseshit but that said (laughs) i have a lot of questions for you you do i do we've been friends for 17 years i know and i've admired your physique for 17 years oh wow yeah oh thank you and (laughs) i always feel like there's a part of people who look like you Mm -hmm. that don't have to do do anything nothing that it's effort free that you're never thinking about food Mm-hmm. You're eating whatever you want. Yeah. Don't you prefer that fantasy? I'll tell. I'll give you an example. Like there was, there was some dudes in my high school that just, I think, were just fucking ripped. Like yeah. had big shoulders and stuff. I mean, now that I'm older, I think I'm, I'm now suspicious of everyone. But that's a side note. I do love the idea that like there's a Brad Pitt that just exists. I had more fun thinking Brad Pitt just looked like that before I met his trainer Duffy. And before I realized he eats very specifically, it's more fun, isn't it, to think someone's just genetically a phenom? It it puts me at ease somehow assuming that. Well, of course. Yeah. Because then it's not up to anyone. So you hit the genetic lottery or you don't. That's right. And certainly it's on a spectrum. People hit the genetic lottery. I've got it genetically a lot better than a lot of people or for at least my desired body type. I'm tall. uh, My shoulders are wide. But historically, I am the skinniest shepherd by a, a good 75 pounds. Really? Oh, my God. My dad was 300 pounds when he died. My papa Bob was 300 pounds. All his brothers were in the 300 range. No shade to my Uncle Randy, but he's not thin. No, 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 none of us are thin. And so all through high school, yeah, that's where you and I were like in a different genetic bucket. Yeah. But once I graduated, I pretty much just lived at 180 all through high school I graduated. I started doing car shows, and you had a $35 per diem to eat food. And me and Aaron ate at McDonald's for breakfast. Then we went to Wendy's for lunch. Then we went to KFC for dinner. And we, I did that for a year and a half. And I also drank like a fish. And I got on a scale in Lake Lanier, Georgia. I was like, I kind of, I felt, this is dicey to say, but I felt like I looked incredibly feminine. Like, it just hit me all at once. I was looking in the mirror. I was like, oh, my God, I have a big round face. And my, I'm right. kind of curvy. Everything's soft. Yes, yes, yes. And I was glowing. Yeah. And I hopped on a scale and I was 217. So I had thrown on 37 pounds in like a year, not even noticing it. Right. And that's when it started. So I have been on some version of, of weight management since that day when I was probably 20. Yeah. And first was a fat-free diet. I moved to California. I was fat-free for an entire year. Right. And I've made I've done this 
I've cycled through this once or twice uh, in my adulthood. I then I got total body dysmorphia. I completely lost track of what the goal. I didn't have a goal. It was just eat fat free, and I got down to like one fifty nine. But I was all I was looking at was my stomach. Yeah. And even at one fifty nine, I was like, why don't I have a six pack? <laughs> right. I'm a skeleton, and I still feel like I have some chub around my navel. Yeah. And and then my face looked insane. I look like um the nightmare on Christmas or whatever the fuck. <laughs> just gaunt. Yes, I looked terrible. And I remember I went home to Michigan for like a month and a half, and then I was just drunk every day, and I fucking ate like an idiot. And I came back, and my my um building mates that lived downstairs, two of the girls looked at me, and they're like, "My God, you look so good!" And that was the first time I was like, "Oh, I had let myself get crazy skinny and and very unattractive." Right. Got off fat free. Fell in love with Bree, who you met, yeah. and hung out with. And um, she and I, as young 20-year-old lovebirds do, we ate and drank and sat on the couch and Had relaxed. The time. Yes. Those and then, years. And then you wake up and I was like, okay, I'm 220 again. Yeah. And then I did Atkins. And I did that for probably a year. And I remember uh, she and I would go to Kukuru Chicken. And we would just get, you know, chicken and whatever was you could eat on Atkins, broccoli. But it came with a roll. And she and I would both put the roll in her mouth and just have it in there for like a minute. Yeah. And we would bite it a little bit and then we would take it out. <laughs> <laughs> the clearest memories of just trying to get like a minute of that bread feeling. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I did Atkins for a year. Then I got – finally I got kind of obsessed with working out. And this is – I remember this clear as day. My mom was visiting. She was in Palm Springs. She invited Bree and I. We went to La Quinta. Um, not the chain you see on the highway, but there's a really cool old near Coachella. Uh huh. Yeah, a lot of really cool movies were written there. Like It's a Wonderful Life was with. There's a yeah. A Ca- what's his name? Ca- Capra. Frank Capra. Frank Capra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Sweet named after him. Well, anyways, it's a very cool historic place. Completely irrelevant to this story. I was in the pool and I was probably 25, and there was like what I would guess was like a 45 year old guy in like. A group of 45-year-old guys on a, probably a golf trip, like eight of them. And this one dude, and he wasn't showing off. He just was kind of bored. He just cranked out like 25, 30 push-ups. And I was watching him, and I was like, this is shameful. I, I There's no way I could do more than eight push-ups. And th- this guy's 45 or 50. And, and just I'm, doing them for fun. Yes. Nothing, yeah. He's not even working out. He's just like, oh, I just as soon do these push-ups than not do them. Yeah. <laughs> And I was I was shamed into thinking you're 25 and that guy can and I was and then I I went home and I got a, a membership to Bailey's Total Fitness and I was an unemployed actor who just did wrote sketches and performed at the Groundlings so I didn't have much to do and I started working out kind of religiously and that's when I got into like oh you can have biceps you can have these things I right. had I had convinced myself genetically that was not in the cards for me yeah. And then I'll add another breakthrough, which was I was like, oh, I can never have a six-pack. So I just don't have those genetics. And then I did this movie, went in Rome, and I was hired to play a male model. And I said, I'm not good-looking enough to be a male model. That doesn't make any sense. I disagree. <laughs> okay, well, or my, maybe my self-image is broken. But I, I, I've seen a lot of male models, and they, I've not seen any Dak Shepard types. So what I said is the only way this makes sense is I have to have an insane body. And maybe right. I'm like an underwear model. And so that was embraced. Yeah. And this is the first time I got uh, an actual trainer who told me what to eat. And then they put me on a very specific workout schedule. 
And this was 13 years ago. Chris and I were just dating. And um, I, by God, I got a fucking six pack. And I was, though, I had to be very uh, light to get that. Yeah. So I, I was blown away. I had a body I definitely did not think I could ever have. And um, it was so annoying to be around me. So I was just constantly in the mirror like, I can't believe this. I have like, you can see my shoulders. Yeah. And Kristen, of course, thought she was like, oh, my God, I'm dating a fucking narcissist. <laughs> right. But but I was blown away. That's Listen, I got I got to like 40 pounds lighter than I am now. Uh-huh. And did not have a six pack. Uh, didn't right. have any visible abdominal muscles mm-hmm. and felt the same way. Felt like this is just not in the cards for me. Yeah. Actually getting that is a big deal. It is because you've told yourself, for me at that point, for 32 years, I'm like, oh, I just, I'm, I'm not one of those dudes. I've always had like a belly. Yeah. And, and all the shepherds have bellies. That's where we carry weight. And so I think I was, I, it's not that I was like horny for myself or or it wasn't the vanity as much as like, I couldn't believe there's a new reality Yeah, in which I could look like this. And I remember too, every night I jogged on the West Side Highway. And I hated running growing up. Fucking hated it. I made, I said my asthma precluded me from doing the mile. You know, I I got out of every running thing you could. And I would be on the West Side Highway jogging at midnight and I'd run like four miles. I was never a a big runner. But for me, I constantly was just having these like autobody experiences where I was like, look at you. You grew up to be a 30 year old man who runs on the West Side Highway. It was way more that stuff. It was the identity stuff that I didn't think I could be. That felt so rewarding. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I want to go back to the idea of you looking at a guy banging out 25 push-ups or 40 push-ups, whatever he did. I looked at people who chose to stand like that. Oh, instead of sit. Yeah. If there there was an open seat and there's somebody standing, I'm literally going like, look at this guy. Yeah. Showing off, (laughs) standing there like an asshole. His knees don't hurt. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still disappointed in my – my propensity to sit oh, at God. all times. I, I just there's a seat. I'll sit on a curb if it's available. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'll end up laying down places too. Yeah, like, I'll, I'm I'm the guy that's always by kind of by the the gate at the terminal, and I found a little piece of carpet to just lay on, lay yeah. on my backpack. And so I was really disappointed. Really, I just want to tell you this quickly because yeah. I think it'll interest you. I've always had this great fantasy that you would go to space, and that would be the ultimate in comfort. Right. Have you ever thought that? Yes, for sure, because there's nothing – well, I I have thought about that. But I also find like I I don't know what it is, but I have something with my wrist where if I don't sleep in a certain position, Mm -hmm. my hands fall asleep. Oh, uh uh-huh. And I've been to check it out because I thought I was – it was like a heart attack coming on. Sure. Not. It's something with the nerves and the muscles and all of this. And I've thought long and hard about space Uh because it does in my mind generate – perfect comfort there's no pressure anywhere not only have i decided it would be the most comfortable feeling you'd ever had of course i go to like floating in underwater in a pool but even you're so busy trying to regulate how much air is in your lungs so you're not ascending or descending whatever i've also thought i'm anxious to see what shape my body wants to be in 
Right. Like if the, if you literally let all your muscles relax, if you could do that. What it, does it look like? Yeah. What shape does it want to be in? Yeah. What, what is it? How does it want to sleep? All these things. Yeah. Well, I just recently interviewed this very famous astronaut who had been in, up in space longer than any other American. And I said, is it so comfortable up there? And he goes, it's, it's horrendously uncomfortable. And I said, why? That's not what we want to hear. And he said, because your, all your physiology is designed to push blood to your head. Because you're fighting gravity to, to just be a bipedal creature. Yeah. So once that, that force of gravity is no longer on your body, your, blood, your, your body still sends tons of blood to your head. But now there's no resistance. So he's like, you basically have a light headache the whole time Ooh. you're in space. And like a like, migraine. Isn't oh, that what a migraine is? Too much blood in your head? I, I, I don't know, but that sounds right. Yeah. But I was like, what a shattering of an illusion. I mean, that's my all-time fantasy was to take a nap in space. And right. That's off the table now. He also said sleeping in space is a beating because <laughs> the atmosphere protects us from gamma rays or some rays. And once you're outside of the atmosphere, as you're laying in bed with your eyes closed, some of the light waves just go right through your eyelids, like the gamma rays and stuff. He's like, so you have your eyes closed and you're seeing darkness and then flashes of light, which are scary because you have your eyes closed. You this should not, not be seeing. Yeah. This is not what I want to think about with space. No. But, All of these fantasies of ours. Yeah. They just never... I did. I do when I sit and contemplate it think I bet something would be off with my hands and they would constantly mm. be asleep and mm-hmm. that bums me out. But now it's just I don't want to go to space. The other thing I asked him about is, um, and I hadn't even thought of this, I was just more concerned with once you poop, won't it float up in the air? I said, so how do you do you poop into like a vacuum-powered thing? And he goes, well, first of all, you're lucky if you can poop because your entire digestive system works on gravity as well. Sitting there and I floating. Said, oh, my God, I never thought of that. It, that's why it's moving through those intestines. And he said, yeah, the Russians had a saying, which is want to poop, eat more food. <laughs> just so it's just pushing it out. Fuck. Yeah, I don't want to go. No. I don't want to go at all. Unless they figure out all those issues. Yeah, we just need to get up to a place and it spins around like in some science fiction movie and, and you have gravity. We got to wait till there's like a four-season space trip. Right. Where they somehow they figured out how to get yeah, your blood none pressure of, good. None of what you explained sounds fun. No, I was heavily disappointed. The, the idea you talked about having these physical things as goals, I relate to very much and – and I get caught up in today thinking about health and thinking about things in terms of health and thinking about how externally it's such a big thing of like, you're healthy now. I'm I'm told quite often I'm healthy now, which is Like great. that's a compliment people give you? Yeah. We're glad you got your health figured out or, or – Well, really quick. Do you think they say that because there is such tiptoeing around what is a very serious illness, which is like eating disorders – so has like just the lexicon changed? Are people afraid of triggering eating disorders by saying you look good because you're thinner? Or I, I don't listen. There's so much. There's there's diet people and anti diet. Oh people, my god! Yeah. And there's people who are like you should never diet, and and mm-hmm. dieting is bad. And I just go back to like the idea and metrics of health were never what got me to change. Oh, agreed. I still don't truly contemplate health all that much, right. if I'm being honest. Yeah. 
And, and one of the reasons is there's no consensus. Right. It's the most frustrating field to start learning about because there's no consensus. You have a caloric model in and out. Then you have a no that's way more about the chemistry of what you're eating. There's just no consensus. And um, back to the anti-dieting thing. So we just launched a show called Race to 270. God, I want Aaron to win. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, I know what happened. Oh, it's done. It's done. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We just started airing them Got yesterday. It. But I was literally like, can I go be with – I was thinking I want to go like cheer Aaron, Aaron on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the premise is Aaron was 306 pounds and my friend Charlie's 230. And my friend Charlie has owned a CrossFit gym for years. I mean, he's the 230 we would kill to be. Right. You and I. I'm not going to speak for anyone sure. else. But it's just all traps. Yeah. And Which fucking, is all I want. Yeah. So I jokingly said to Charlie, would you accept a $5,000 challenge and race Aaron to 270 pounds? So he, Charlie would have to gain 40 and Aaron would have to lose 36. Is the type of weight that Charlie's gaining – regulated like it's never going to be muscle not possible i bet you because he is such a phenom i i i would bet he really did gain 25 pounds of muscle i'll show you some pictures before wow. i leave okay he's just a fucking he looks like he could just run through a brick wall right when, as he gets heavy i had seen him at 260 Fuck last guys year too by the way oh i know i'm like charlie so last year for for his own amusement because he's like us. He wants to see what he can do. Yeah. So he decided to go up to 260. And so he did. And he had this big distended stomach, but it was rock hard. And he still had arrows. <laughs> and I'm like, your big fucking wheelbarrow belly looks way better than mine. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's genetics. That's neither here nor there. So this is a lovely show. It's all to help Aaron have a goal to sure. lose weight. Yeah. And and I can't speak for any other person. I know there's big reservations about putting numbers on things, I, as I understand it. He is not healthier at 306 than he would be at 270. That's just a fact for him. Sure. You know, he's probably pre-diabetic. There's a lot of things that he would benefit, his knees. It, but that became a little mini shitstorm when we put the episode out. From oh, people with diet culture people. Saying that this was somehow a fat shaming show. And I was like, I can't, I can't connect those dots. Yeah. I, I, I'm not calling anyone fat. I'm not shaming anyone. I'm saying my best friend since I was 11, who's now a year sober and getting his life together, I'd love to help in any way I can. For him to have all of his goals. And he, this is his goal. Yes. This is something. Yes. He he called me, uh, you know, four months ago. He's like, Dad, I got to get my fucking weight under control. I keep going to the doctor. Yeah, well, there you go. And, and I can't, I, 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 like, I don't know what to do it. And I was like, well, let's throw some money in it. You want to go to like a treatment center for that? Like, I'll do whatever to yeah. help. And we didn't really crack a thing. And then I just jokingly said this to Charlie. And he's like, oh, I'll definitely try to get to 270 for five grand. Right. And then so we have a race and it's uh, super I, amusing. Yeah. See, I, I have friends who do a bet every – pretty much every January. They get together and they make a pool. All of them want to lose weight. So all it is is an extra arbitrary motivator. Yeah. I yeah. Said, What's wrong with that? I, I don't know. I don't know, but 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 somehow that topic has become seemingly as as delicate as say 
um, sexual trauma or, you know, other things that you would want to give like trigger warnings for. And so, and I'm not a cynic about it. I just, I, I'm having a hard time connecting those dots of that being fat shaming. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Like, I guess, do you feel like it's, um, you actually can't say it's, it's healthier to not be what would be technically morbidly obese. Like, I don't think you can actually say that anymore. Like, it's desirable to not be morbidly obese. I mean, uh, you can't say that from a health perspective that it's that it's more i mean this to me i mean look here here's here's all i think at the end of the day and i have been thinking about it so much if if the underlying thing is that we want everybody to be healthier yeah and and that is the thing we're choosing to focus on i just know when it was imposed on me for those reasons as a kid, mm-hmm. I revolted. Uh-huh. And so I think sometimes there can be a desire and a and a tactic that has the effect we don't want it to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Like we can sit here and, and posit some uh, politically correct solution for something that then might work in a way that we didn't imagine mm-hmm. and sit back and go like, well, look at where we are now. I'm not even choosing something real. I'm just saying it didn't work for me in that way. So this whole thing of like this is healthy, I don't know if there's ulterior motives there mm-hmm. or if it is really just like we don't use our bodies as much. Food is a hell of a lot cheaper. Oh, yeah. Once we get to where the average starts to shift and more people are fat, mm-hmm the health the metrics of health are all averages too well that's what gets tricky so there is total consensus on the data that that being some percentage of overweight is the worst thing you can do for longevity it's worse than smoking it's worse than everything i mean it's 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 you know so it's tricky. It's like we, we have that data. Yeah. If if your physician had his pick, I'm either going to be a smoker at 180 or I'm going to be 300 and not smoke. They're going to say smoke. So I don't know what we do with that reality without – and I don't want to. And you make a great point, which is the approach for you as a kid, it didn't work. So maybe that's not the solution is to say like, you know, for your health, you should do this. And I guess at the end of the day, like I don't have – an agenda for anybody. If someone tells me they want to lose weight, then I have a lot of opinions on that. Sure. But I'm not walking around, you know, evaluating anyone's body on the street and thinking, oh, that person needs to eat low carb. <laughs> like, I, right. I don't do that. Yeah. But if I have a friend that's like trying to quit drinking, I, I have some ideas of how one should qu- try to quit drinking. For sure. And even, but by the way, you've, you've done weight gain and loss too. So yeah. I think that Having an opinion or certainly seeing your friend and have a, having an idea to, on motivation is valid. I have an experience that I can share. That's right. really what it boils down to. But I don't know if you've run into this too, but in the in the sober community, I've also gotten flack for saying I'll call myself a junkie or I'll call other guys junkies. Like it's just a division if you're sober. Like what dudes were into opiates? Oh, they're junkies. They're alcoholics, whatever. Yeah. There's no – in general, I don't – it's it's kind of a – it's cute. Yeah. But I'll say it, and then it it upsets people. Like I'm referring to someone they loved as a junkie, 
So, I mean, are we talking about a famous person or a person that's like actually a junkie that they knew and they think that calling them that junkie is do – you, do you sort of – Yeah, I think it's generally when I've gotten a negative response, I do think it has tended to be someone who loved an opiate addict. Right. And they think I'm saying something disparaging about the person. Right. But as someone that's inside the club and is an opiate addict – I also feel like I have the right to say – call it whatever I want to because I actually am afflicted by this or yeah. I've been molested. I feel like the only upside to being molested is I can talk about being molested any way I want. Right. And I can talk about being an addict any way I want. Yeah. But it it is tricky and then you come around to like, okay, I might be right. I might be winning this court case but do I want to hurt anyone's feelings? No, I don't want to. It's complicated. And I think in our lifetime, it's gotten much more complicated. It's gotten so complicated. Words have gotten really fucking tricky. <laughs> I've gotten have. in so much trouble just for swearing. Oh, like, really? I don't like swearing. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. <laughs> I try to not swear that I'm much. grateful that hasn't been one of my I swear. Do you swear? You swear on your oh, show. nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a very effective tool. I agree. I like swearing. Day one of rehab, mm -hmm. the minute I come out of being within my zone of the only thing that is in existence is me and my pain mm -hmm. and I can be aware of other people. I'm categorizing everyone. That dude's yeah. a junkie. Yeah. I Crack can heads. go sit with him. Crackheads. I cannot deal with cause they're just <laughs> right. going to sleep and eat. And I can't do either of those things right now. Yeah. <laughs> the alcoholics, we got to be careful. That guy could have a seizure, you know, the benzo being, people. Yeah. They're like, they're trying to reassemble reality <laughs> right yeah these are all categorizations that i would actually put myself into mm -hmm. at any at given points yeah yeah i've been lucky enough to bend most of the labels at yeah, one point or another for sure <laughs> and then i think about i think about the word fat or not even fat so much honestly and, and I, I don't want to name any names but somebody i love very much who very obviously proved their love for me called me a lard ass mm. at some point mm -hmm. after i'd lost some weight mm -hmm. and i like said that you had previously been a lard ass no just said okay lard ass oh. something like this yeah yeah and for a minute it hit in an emotional way and caused like a burst of feeling warmth in yeah. my chest that rose and i think i turned red and all of this and then i realized that nothing about what they were saying was intended to cause this. Uh-huh. And it was almost a term of endearment in some weird, sick way. Yeah. And that the words were up to me on how to deal with them. And and I now don't care. Now, if I was 18 years old and somebody calls me a lord ass, I'm either fighting you or pretending I didn't hear you. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Those are the away. options. Yeah. 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 Well, it is funny because similarly, like even if you're – you could get down to 180. The term lardass will always trigger you. Yeah. You could live more time on planet Earth at 180 and still. So my me. thing is I was dyslexic. I didn't learn to read till fifth grade. I was the dum-dum in the class, and I went to the fucking special needs room for an hour every day. And so I, I, I'm clearly not dumb. Right. I don't know beyond that what I'd say, but I am not dumb. You have and a degree in anthropology. I do. I do. You're a brainiac. <laughs> well, I just know that I still – it's my number one trigger. Like I'll give you an example where it took me like three days to track down why I felt this way. So I got a bid to do some electrical work at my house and I found the bid to be obnoxious. 
And I was angry at the person who made the bid. And I spent four days. Like I wanted – in fact, I said, when the contractor said like, do you want to go with them? I said, no. And t- you know, I wanted him to tell him to fuck off. Right. But I'm smart enough to go like, I care a lot about this bid. What? Why? Yeah. Like he wants that much money. I don't want to pay that much money. It's fine. And I was like, I know what – oh, my God. I think – he thinks I'm a dumbass and that I have no clue what it costs to wire this house for speakers. Right. And it was all about that, that, that this person assumed I was a dumbass. And, I was and, like, oh. and it's also that you're assuming that's what he's assuming. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I'm so afraid everyone's thinking I'm a dumbass at right. all times that it's my first stop on an explanation for something. Yeah. It's not just that this guy values his time at this number. Right. And meanwhile, <laughs> he could be using gold wires or something. Who, Who fucking knows? knows? Who yeah. knows? <laughs> this is I, – I But think, I went straight to, oh, he thinks I'm a dumb actor who's never done anything, never changed a tire. I'm not a real man. You know, it just – it yeah. bullseyed all my stuff. Yeah. So we get to language and I think about like the the French postmodernist philosophers who, who got – who, who went into something about deconstruction and how language was meaningless and uh, everything at, at a certain point with them is meaningless, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting thought experiment to run on yourself. It's like a weird maze you can put yourself into. Yeah. But we we do arrive at a place where this word with whatever intention I have behind it and I say it lands with somebody in a certain way and so – we go like, no, now we're going to excise that. Now, clearly there are. Well, right. Let, let's just start by saying there's probably 10 objective words. Right. In the whole lexicon. Yeah. Like pound. Right. Ounce. Yeah. <laughs> inch. Right. Everything else probably is layered in your. How do I interpret this word? And yeah. what does it, what do I, not only what does it mean for me, but what do I think he thinks it means for me and all of this? And it gets so complicated. Yeah, you're wrongly assuming generally that they have the same meaning that you do. Yeah. This is why, like, love is tricky because, like, I have a way I demonstrate love. And I have I have a list of things that I would only do to people I hate. Right. And someone else's list can be completely flipped. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of the example where, like – Someone did something. I was like, I would have to hate somebody to not show up like that after I said I would and I said I'd see you in 15 and you never show up and you never call. Whatever the thing is. It's an aggressive thing. (laughs) Yes. And then I'm like, you know, no, that's my little definition of how I love you. Right. And so does health fall into that? It it has to. Here's a great. So Kutcher and I had a text exchange this morning. He said, I just read this book. I might as well say the real name of it so the person gets credit because I ended up buying it on Audible and um, I think, I hope you don't have a competing book sponsor. No. Age Later. He said, I just read this book, Age Later. I think you'd love it. I thought of you and it says hormone therapy is going to reduce longevity. It's going to reduce longevity. Yeah. So it's going to make us die earlier. Yes, that's the conclusion. Well, I shouldn't speak for the book. I haven't read it, but okay. that's at least but what Kutcher was Kutcher's take t- on telling, telling me this morning. And right. he knows I take testosterone. Okay. So clearly it's a it's an act of love. He's like letting hey, me buddy. know. Yeah. Like, hey, man, this might shorten your life. Right. And then I write back, I don't doubt that it does. 
But I'm actually weighing, do I want to feel great till 90 or feel okay till 96? Right. These are unknowable, but I'm trying to make that decision. And my singular goal isn't longevity. So for me, health might be to be vibrant for 90 years. And for him, it might be just to get to 120. Right. So, you know, uh, he's not wrong. I'm not wrong. And it's hard to know. Yeah. This is this is the essence of it mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. What is being healthy to you? For me, being healthy is like being motivated to work still, to be motivated to learn new things, to have new experiences. That, to me, keeps my brain healthy. And I had lost enough of it that I was concerned before yeah. I took testosterone. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't need – fuck the physical benefits – the mental for me are are incredible. Right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Again, none of my goals are centered around health at all. Mm. I, I don't smoke because my wife was pregnant with a kid. And, you know, by the way, it was her third kid. Mm-hmm. And she decided that cigarettes smelled bad. Mm. So I quit smoking, and every time I've hinted at bringing it back, <laughs> she tells me to get fucked. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. So that's pretty much why I don't smoke. And then I also, I guess lingering there, there is something like where I think about the kind of exercise I do and if it would limit that. Yeah. But again, it, I'm not thinking about health. I'm thinking about things I like to do that would be diminished. Yes, and also, though, I think it's specific to what you feel vulnerable to. So for whatever reason, I've been dead certain I will die of lung cancer. Because okay. I, I, when I smoked, I had the worst cough all day. Yeah. It was just clear. We were, sm- were you smoking in 2004? Oh, when no. we met, yes, and without a pedal. you we, were. I, I wasn't. Was. Yes, you were. You were smoking Camel non-filters. I'm sorry, cam- straight Camels, and I was smoking My Camel God. Lights. I was, yes. It was before I had... Little baby kids. Yeah, this was yes. 2003. I remember paying the tax in New Zealand. I like an idiot. Oh, you I and I announced we... them to customs that I had cartons <laughs> in my suitcase. Right, you have many, many cartons. Yeah, I had to like switch brands midway, midway <laughs> yeah. through the movie. I didn't plan good enough, but I was under no illusion that I was not going to die of lung cancer. And in fact, my dad ended up dying of lung cancer at 62. So I think I'm on to something. I, it's not a good fit for me. Right. But there are other things I I don't feel vulnerable towards, so I don't even think about them. Yeah. I went, like, how about racing motorcycles, Dax? Yeah, doesn't, is this healthy? Exactly. Doesn't cross my mind. There's no fucking way I'm dying on a motorcycle. Okay. It's just like a certainty. Right. I'm not dying on but a motorcycle. But if we did a statistical analysis <laughs> of health, that we could say is not healthy maybe. Yeah. Add to it, like, yeah, all the layers. Uh, there's riding. Then there's, like, do you lane split? Yeah, do you lane split really fast? Do you do track days? Do you ride motocross? Right. Yeah, I'm not peaking any of those variables. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to have that. And the other day, God bless this, I was going in for a colonoscopy, which again, I think like pretty good odds I could get colon cancer <laughs> for whatever reason. I'm just, I'm like, yeah, I got to watch that. And the the colonoscopy doctor took a shine to me simply because we FaceTimed my uh, consultation and Kristen was next to me. Uh-huh. And anytime Kristen's around, I'm going to get platinum service. Right. Like this guy was so enchanted with Kristen piping in every now and then. Yeah. Like he does – he's not really that, you know, like correcting me and stuff. 
And so he kind of, I think, just became enchanted with her. So he said, have you ever had the contrast dye heart scan? You should absolutely have this. Anyone that can afford to get one needs to get one. I'm going to write you the prescription right now. And he did that, and he got me to go. I would I would have avoided that. I don't want to know what's going on in my heart in some way. Yeah. Because I know I eat – like I just told you, ribeye is like my yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. So I went, and I got the – the scan and by God, what they can tell you now. You said you had it, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I think I texted you. I had zero percent plaque in all my arteries. That's incredible. And I was like, oh my God, what a relief. Yeah. I just had been not thinking about it. Right. But it, it's not haunting you, but when you start to think about it, it's a big thought. Well, you, yeah, you you have some relationship with self-honesty and you're like, yeah, man, I've been eating fucking red meat. As often as possible since I was born. Yeah. This is probably an issue. Right. Also, I have high cholesterol. I already knew that. Right. So I'm like, okay, and genetically, everyone's has high cholesterol. So I have low expectations. And I was I, – well, I felt like I just found out I'm going to have another 50 years. It was amazing to get that. Yeah. Did you do a stress test with it mm-hmm. on the uh, walk on the – Oh, on the treadmill? Yeah. I did not. No. Have oh, you done that one? I did that. I did all of these tests, the scans, and – and I, I was, I had a tiny bit of plaque, but like so low that it was like we're not Negligible. thinking about this. Sure. And my cholesterol was great. Huh. And then I beat all my friends at the stress test, which I was so happy about. Like they yeah. were done at like ten, eleven, twelve minutes, and I went like sixteen, seventeen. Oh, minutes, really? Which was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, that feels good. Yeah. And your heart is normal size. Normal size. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. is that the that becomes one of the potential issues of yes enlarged heart yeah. and uh, and fat surrounding the heart is bad or mm. is what I was told was not optimal. Yes. Yeah, so my father, before he died of lung cancer, he was he was definitely dying of heart disease. Like it was, it's a the the cancer came out of nowhere. It was like, oh, this we know what's going to happen here. This guy is going to die. And I remember going with him to the cardiologist and seeing the heart. And the, the difference in size from one side to the other was staggering. Really? And again, I thought, like, somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, well, you know, use your dad. That's potentially what your heart's going to look like. Yeah. And not doing a ton of work to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. But you're healthy. You exercise. That's I work. exercise. I haven't smoked cigarettes in 16 years. My dad didn't quit until, like, eight years before he died or something. And I got sober much earlier than he did. Did he quit because of a health scare? He quit on one of his heart attacks. Okay. Like maybe number five or something. Okay. Wow. Yeah. My name was also like he didn't go to treatment until he had his fifth DUI, which was like going to be mandatory prison. Time. Right. Yeah. He really ran it right till the end on all things. Redlining it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know all the stories about him. He'd be like regularly – I'd call him and he'd pick up the phone. He'd be in the middle of a fight at Costco about the samples Yeah, with some other shopper. He's, He's just, a legend. Yeah, he just constantly was getting into it with anybody who wanted to tango. Yeah. He was my big breakthrough. I was sitting there in, in the hospital with him and I was looking at him and I, I were so similar and I have, you know, I just looked at him and I'm like, you know, this guy was never bested. Right. But you lose. Yeah. It really hit me. I was like, oh, he's never lost a battle on the road, at a stoplight, at the gas station. And it took a fucking toll. 
it catches up to you. And I, it was right after that I was on Fountain and I got into some altercation with some other motorist. <laughs> and I just – I checked in with my body. I'm like, oh, my adrenal dump that just happened and the cortisol – and my legs are shaking because I'm about to get out of the car. And, and it's 30 minutes of that before I'm calm. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is this is going to kill me. This yeah. is exactly what's going to kill me. Yeah. I've I've really this – is, this is back to how – I think it's one thing to say like we're, we're in control of or responsible for how we react to the world. Mm-hmm. And another thing to actually exist in that mm-hmm. because that cortisol – how do you you can you talk yourself out of getting out of the car, right? But you you can't talk yourself out of the cortisol happening, right? You know what I mean. But I do think over time, if you put effort towards going, this emotion isn't real. This yes. reaction doesn't have to be the reaction I have. Oh, I would love to tell you the system I've chiseled out for myself. So. Of course, my wife fucking hates this about me. You know, famously, she's told this story before. Like, uh, we were only dating six months. We're driving down Sunset. A guy throws a huge drink at the windshield of my car. Uh, I thought the windshield exploded. It was just ice and glass from the thing. But I thought the whole windshield exploded. So I pull the emergency brake. I'm out. We're on a curb. I'm fighting a dude. I'm wearing a suit. We're on our way to meet her agents. Right. Yeah, I get in this big, gnarly fight on the sidewalk. And then I hop right back in the car like nothing happened. And we take off. And she was like, so, hey, man, I don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) And so I had the goal, like, I got to stop this. Well, I'll even be more specific. The way she got through to me was she said, you know, you think that you're a protector and that you'll stick up for your friends and you'll stick up for me. And you hope that would make them feel safe. But I just want you to know it makes all of us feel very scared. I'm more scared to be around you places than anyone else. She's scared that you're going to turn that towards her? No, that some mild thing that everyone could have normally just turned the other cheek and walked away from, I will defend their honor and take it to a crazy level. She's like, it's much more dangerous to have you, the protector, around. And I was like, fuck. Well, that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for you feeling safe. Yeah. So that was a wake-up call. And then so – and Ethan, it took me – it took me seven New Year's resolutions. <laughs> the first year, I was like, no more road rage. Yeah. And that did not work. I, I just was constantly in it again. So the next year, I said, you cannot get out of your car. That's that's over. There's no getting out of your car under any circumstances. And that was achievable. And then the following year, I said, you cannot honk your horn anymore. This year, you can't honk your horn. Unless you're, it's, you're someone's about to hit you. Other right. than that, no more horn honking. That became achievable. Not even like they're looking at their phone and you're just letting them Can't know do it. the light changed. Yep. Just a little. Okay. Couldn't do it. All right. And then it was no more hand gestures. Mm-hmm. So I could scream in my car. And then finally it was no more screaming in your car. Right. And only by going little step, baby step, baby step. I'm now at a place where I start getting the desire to sheriff someone's behavior and I force myself to read someone else's license plate. And I have to read it out loud. I'll say the whole license plate and then I go to it the next license plate. And after I read about three of them and I realize how ridiculous it is that I have to do that instead of reacting to a stranger, I'm over it. But I, I have to distract myself. Yeah. So it's gotten all the way to there. So I don't get the cortisol thing anymore. It's amazing. Yeah. But this is it. 
this is you created new habits that block you from having the reaction that you look, man, these words that are upsetting to people. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have words that we shouldn't say. Fine. Yeah, there are N word we should dump. Great. Yeah, yeah. We're fine. We all <laughs> yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about f- fat, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, or diet or whatever the word is that mm-hmm. is a, uh, like a, actually a scientific word, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're having a reaction to it. You can train yourself out of it. If you have the desire for sure. Right. I think that's, yeah, that's inarguable. But I will say in general, I, I don't want to say fat because I'm not overweight. Right. If someone's overweight and they want to say fat, I, I feel that's like me getting molested. I can talk about it any fucking way I want to. Yeah. You can, and you can talk about yours anyway. So I, I don't think be shaming other people who maybe they feel that. I agree. I'm not talking about shaming people. I actually think it works better in a positive way with like what, what you're doing. If it's a personal desire to change something. So mm-hmm. I, I, uh, whatever it is, I always eat when I'm watching TV and I keep falling into this trap. It keeps derailing my diet, whatever, you know, if yeah. that's the thing, yeah. then like you're saying, you're changing your actions smallly and maybe it's, you're not watching TV and you get to the point where when you're having this thought, like I need to make myself a bowl of popcorn, you're reading license plates. Like I think yes. that's really valuable. I used you during Race to 270, in fact. Really? Yeah, because I remember you telling me one time eight years ago, you said, I have to be realistic about who I am and I've got to figure out how best to how best to manipulate myself given what my limitations are. So you said, and this was eight years ago, this may have changed, but you were like, I'm never going to have portion controls. That's just not within me. So that only leaves me one option. I have to eat very low caloric food. Like I got to eat up six pounds of salmon. That's what I got to do. And I just thought that was a very smart approach. Yeah. And so I told Aaron, like Aaron was wrestling with nighttime. Like he, fuck, come 10 o'clock, man, he wants to party. And I said, look, man, I don't think you're going to change the fact that you want to party. But you could just eat turkey, sliced turkey breast. You'll get bored eating it. Like no one can eat too much sliced turkey breast. Yeah. And so he did that. And it totally worked for him. I've taken that but it's basically the same thing if if i made if if i required you know two pounds of salmon today mm-hmm. and i made three and i left three pounds of salmon in the fridge in a tupperware and then i was just meant to take what i needed each time without checking it i would probably not succeed mm-hmm. so i portion out my food i'm very good at portion control now but I'm totally responsible for it. I bet. Is it too? Like I remember in sobriety, a lesson I learned after many relapses was like, you can't wait till you're in Vegas and someone offers you a Jack and diet. That's too late. Yeah. You need a game plan for me getting on the airplane that says, oh, someone's going to offer me a Jack and diet and someone's going to have Coke and I'm going to see it. So let's walk through all the stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. And and even a game plan for something you cannot imagine. Mm-hmm. So the situation arises that you haven't walked through. What do you do then? Because you got to have a plan of action for yourself. A hundred percent. 
Yeah, so I imagine for you, if like if you wait till oh I'm hungry, let's walk to the fridge. You're fucked. That's over. Disaster. Yeah, you gotta know. You gotta like the day before when you feel great, you make a plan and you pre-portion and you lay out your shit, and then Ethan's out of the equation at that point. The only thing that I eat every day that isn't pre like that I haven't. Sunday, basically, I meal prep and I make food at least through Wednesday. And uh-huh. everything I'm going to eat is now in a container. And yeah. each meal is roughly the same. And I eat four of these meals a day. Uh huh. The only other things I eat are protein powder and water. And that it's like, what am I going to cheat and add an extra scoop of protein powder? Right. No. Right. So I can, I'm confident that I will take the protein jug. Take one scoop, put it in water. Yeah. There are times where I see that my kids have almond milk and the little bug tells me this would be so much better with almond milk. And I fight that. And then I'm arguing about, no, this almond milk only has 35 calories a glass. What's wrong with that? Or we have nonfat milk in the thing. But I'm very – it all has to be done ahead of time. If I even go to the store when I'm hungry – I'm making bad decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst thing you can do is like go to the store on the way to go out to eat or something. It's terrible. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna lose. Yeah, I'm eating in the store. And you and I are so similar. This will amuse people. <laughs> I think <laughs> it certainly amused my wife. Is you and I were chatting one time, and I go, "Oh my god, I just had to quit halls." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm expecting you to go like. How could you be addicted to halls? And you immediately go, and Kristen was there. You go, oh, my God, I was eating one a family pack a day. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. I mean, I was straight a, a halls addict yeah. for, I don't know, a couple months. Yeah. And then she, Kristen goes, oh, my God, of course you two have been addicted to halls. Um, he was addicted to toothpicks this year. And then you go straight to... Oh, me too. And then we had the same story, which is we sought out the strongest tea tree oil toothpicks yeah. available that came from Australia. And we both <laughs> ate so many of them that we had fucking burns in the corners yeah. of our mouths. Yeah, it would literally irritate. And we, I've, somebody said to me, do, do I have a – what's the thing? Yeah, herpes, herpes or something. And I was like, no, that's a toothpick. It's a scratch. I've, I've done that to myself. I've given up – Have you? have you ever given up salt? Never, never. It's a fucking nightmare. I can't imagine. It's the worst hell. I can't imagine. I, I, I mean, what doesn't have salt in it? Doesn't everything have salt? Yes. So I'm saying ancillary salt, not mm. like mm-hmm. yes, everything has salt in it. So you can't. I mean, eradicate it, right? Yeah. But if you have you, but you've never given up like table salt or like soy sauce or anything like that. No, it's awful. No, ah, uh, soy sauce. I had to give up once. In, in, in pursuit of a glute yeah 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 one time when i was eating no gluten i have as you know i have psoriatic arthritis so and that's largely for me controllable by my diet yeah and so i'm always playing this fucking game which is like i'm bulletproof for three weeks then i have this one thing next thing you know i'm eating a loaf of bread then yeah. i'm in pain then i go back then i you know yeah because I think the food thing is so much harder. Like you can't do a tiny bit of cocaine or like something with 5% cocaine. You're either either, doing it or you're not. That's right. It's like being kind of pregnant, you know, Yeah. or having some alcohol. It's just, no. But, but yeah, the food thing is just like, "Mm, well, you know, eggs. I, I, I feel way better if I don't eat eggs. 
But maybe I'm having pasta. Does this have eggs in it? I don't know. Pro- probably. Maybe this bread does. Some bread does. Some doesn't. And then you're having an omelet. Yeah. You're fucking eating. You're throwing <laughs> boiled poached eggs on your salad. <laughs> Just, oh, New Zealand. Yeah. It's the thing I nice. miss most. Those are nice. I've gotten real good with moderation. But in the beginning, it had to be very black or white. Mm-hmm. I would never eat sugar ever under yeah. any circumstances. Now I'll say, you know, three days a week in the gym, I'm drinking a Gatorade oh. while I'm working out. No kidding. And it's, and it's fine. Yeah. And I don't, I don't need to have more and I don't have, I don't feel sick. If I eat sugar right before I go to bed, I feel crappy the next day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I, I probably, I had quit it for darn near two years and then I was shooting chips and I'm sure your brain works this way too. It's like, well, all these things are going perfect. So I don't need to, you know, my self-esteem doesn't need also that I don't eat sugar or whatever it yeah. is. And I just have a handful of peanut M&Ms. That's it. At best, I can go now two, three weeks without it. But that's, I got to say, that was, an, of anything I've tried, like just my life's way better without sugar in it. Yeah. my Your skin's better. I, everything is better. That's the one thing I'm a little bit of not, uh, not about. I'm like, I do think it's poison. Well, and here, and okay, great. I think, I think the way we consume it is bad. Mm-hmm. I have I that, don't think a piece of fruit, right? Yeah, or a little a little barbecue sauce, or like you mm-hmm. get a good brisket in Texas for sure. That's got sugar on the outside of it. And I never went that crazy, right? I just never had dessert. I never put sugar on anything. Yeah, I didn't put it in any drinks. Yeah, I am scared thinking through this conversation and when we think about things like sugar because I, I agree in the quantities that the average american consumes it i think it is poison also if you do msg on your steak take it slow okay because people can they say you know and probably people are listening to this going like he's crazy he's advocating you to put poison on your steak I'm yeah so sure what what is poison. the msg thing i just remember growing up going like oh chinese food has msg and that's right. terrible for you but i i never did any follow-up reading on why it is or isn't what's the complaint so a guy wrote a paper that said every time he ate chinese food he felt sick he called it the chinese flu Mm-hmm. This is a long time ago, previous pre, to the pre most Trump recent thing. Chinese yeah, flu yeah, that yeah, yeah. we've had. And <laughs> and this then became – it was then printed in a scientific journal mm. and it became a thing. That was it. That's e- it. Eventually, I believe the Mayo Clinic did a very comprehensive study on it and found that you could consume up to like three grams in a sitting – which is an astronomical amount of MSG. Okay. And be fine. Mm. Occasionally at three grams. And I believe it's people on an empty stomach literally just ingesting three grams of the stuff. Imagine taking three grams of salt, you would throw up. Yeah. My only relationship to three grams is that's almost an eight ball. Right. Yeah. There you go. Imagine yeah. just downing that. Yeah. It's a lot of powder. Yes. So there is nothing scientifically wrong with it. Now, there are tons of nutritionists who will tell you it's really bad for you but it's a naturally occurring thing it's in parmesan cheese it's in tomatoes it's in most shellfish it's in sardines like mm. lots of shit you eat has msg in it yeah naturally it's crazy the life that these very small studies end up having 
the one, and uh, maybe I'll people will prove me wrong on this, but but the one, the Diet Coke one, yeah. So the Diet Coke study that set everything ablaze was that rats developed liver cancer at a much higher rate if they had Diet Coke, which I I don't contest. But it has also later been discovered that 50% of all rats get liver cancer. Right. It's like it's their prostate cancer. Yeah. They, they they get liver cancer and they're very prone to get liver cancer. So I don't – you know, what What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. But enough to have shit hanging all over every grocery store. We both know the reason I drink Diet Coke guilt-free now is simply because Bill Gates okay. drinks it. Yeah. And he's super obsessed with health. I mean he's the smartest guy we've got. Right. And if he's drinking it guilt-free, who am I to sit around and question it? I, I told you my experience with that, right? Brandy and I listened to that episode driving back from Lake Tahoe or some, somewhere – and California was on fire. We were, were not in good moods. We yeah. got smoked out of our little retreat, and we were retreating from the pandemic. Like, it was not a happy time in yeah. California. And we're listening to this, and the overwhelming joy that I was feeling listening to you talk to Bill Gates <laughs> about Diet Coke, and Brandy is sitting here kind of stewing, trying to re- rearrange her ideas on it. Because she, I would go through phases where once I started bringing it into the house, she was like, this is a problem. Right, right, right. We, we're, we are vitamin people. We are not Diet Coke people. Yes, yes. Um, and I was kind of vindicated and she then brought me a Diet Coke. But it was actually like – it made me uncomfortable. It was like if uh-huh. if Kristen brought you an eight ball and you'd be like, "What? <laughs> right. What's happening here?" Right. Well, don't you think? Did you have? I would have. I would have had a muscle memory fear that oh, I've duped them. The yeah. addict in me has gaslit this person enough that they bought into my, and now I feel guilty. Yeah, I had to have my first one. I said, "Thank you very much. I'm not going to drink that. <laughs> I'm going to have my first one by myself, and I'm really going to enjoy it because I can't have you watch me." <laughs> And I did. By myself. I went. So how long had it been since you had one? I think probably a couple of years. Mm. And did you love it? Oh, my God. It's 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 uniquely good with food, in my opinion. It's That's where I miss it the most. Beverage. It's almost like I need it for my digestion. When yeah. I when I the two years I wasn't on it, and I, I just never felt like life that. is not. It's a little dull. It is. It is. It's similar to when I quit caffeine. It was like. I, the the benefits are clear. I'm yeah. not like tired and then have a lot of energy, all that stuff. And yet I just overall I was like, I don't enjoy being on planet Earth as much. Yeah. Like I don't you know, call that a sin, whatever it is, I don't I, I'm not as excited to be alive yeah. without caffeine. That was my experience. Yeah, by the way, do you ever see people drinking caffeine free Diet Coke? They're heretics. Well, like I don't get that at all. The, by the way, it, the, and the, the color drink, of the can is so ugly. You're not gonna like this, but I, I, I post six p.m. I drink caffeine free diet. Oh yeah. Oh, it's delicious. I, the can is unappetizing. I agree. Yeah. It's like it's like a it's off rusty. Cat. It is. It's not great. It looks warm. Yeah. Like, it looks Nothing. like it can't be cooled down. They they failed <laughs> to 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 make me think this is something I want to consume. You're right. They should have gone with like a blue or something. Something sure. that was like, oh, you're gonna feel relaxed. But yeah. no. 
I think you, it looks see, like a dirty Diet Coke. It does. An old, rusty, dirty Diet Coke that's going to leave you more thirsty after you consume it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But but I love them, boy, at nighttime. I love them too. <laughs> salt, I recently did a, a week of no uh, supplemental salt. And what, what prompted that? You were just trying to get rid of, rid of water weight or something? It was for a photo shoot, uh-huh. and I was I had a professional bodybuilder who was like, we're going we're gonna to do a cut and we're going to do a peak week which is everything he does for a bodybuilding show yeah and so leading up to that week i'm increasing my salt and increasing my water and then and then that week i'm decreasing my salt all the way to like 48 hours before this photo shoot there's nothing no mm-hmm. not a little hot sauce nothing mm-hmm. and it was only 48 hours um but it was it there was a pointlessness to life. Uh, sure, sure, you know? sure. And I was lightheaded the whole time too. And you, you then are also dropping your water intake, so your body gets used to being overly hydrated. So it's you're pissing out a certain amount, mm-hmm. and then when you drop your sodium and your water, it continues to piss out a certain amount. So you're basically dehydrating yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that Not uh, fun. for chips. Yeah. Yeah. And you like, I, I put all my topless scenes on two days. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll just be miserable and then it'll be party time. Yeah. yeah. But it's great. It's, it's fucking worth it because I was really happy for the very first time with how I looked. Yeah. Now, do you think, I'm sure you've thought about why you and I enjoy this to begin with. Yeah. Uh, what's your reasoning? Enjoy the whole process. Yes, the 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 obsessive plan, you know, executing it, all that. I, you know, honestly, I enjoyed it even when I was doing plans that today I wouldn't do because Mm -hmm. I don't. They're not like even when it was five hundred calories a day. Mm. Once I have a plan that I believe in, that I can. It that structure that I'm in control of mm. is where I can thrive, I guess. Yeah. But you take the structure away, and it's a structure I came up with. Mm-hmm. But if I remove it, it's all just my idea of what I'm doing. Sure. There's no reason I can't go to my fridge and open a three-pound box of salmon and take out the eight ounces that I want when I'm hungry. There's no reason I can't do that. However, I don't do that. Yeah. I will say as vain as my pursuit seems, it really is for me because I'm overly aware. A couple things. I've never once had a woman tell me I looked good in chips. Not once in my life. Really? Nope. Not but one woman. Dudes? I've had at least 30 dudes getting on airplanes go, bro, you were jacked in chips. And then they keep on walking. So immediately I'm like, only guys care. Yeah. <laughs> Girls do not care. Yeah. So that's interesting. That You know, that takes... That takes away what you would think would be a fundamental motive of it all. Yeah. And then for the last two and a half months, I've been like, okay, I'm not shooting. I'm going to work out six days a week. I'm going to do my diet right. And I'm going to just see if I can, you know, get as fit as I can just because why not? And no one cares. No one in my life cares at all. Yeah. So it clearly is just for me. My wife has never looked at me and been like, oh, you're in good shape. That just has never happened. No. But is it for the dudes too a little bit? Well, everything is for the dude. That's what's so crazy. It's like I've had so many sex experts on, so many psychologists on, 
and I had some awareness of it going in, but now it's just blatant. Dick size is for us. It's all for us. It's for us. Yeah. We think girls care. Guys care. That's who cares about dick size. (laughs) Only guys. Yeah. And on the female side, it has become clear to me that only they think about being skinny. I don't know a single dude that is into the girls on covers of magazines that look anorexic. I don't know one dude. Yeah. It's for them. Brandy gets very concerned when she goes on my phone and looks at the, you know, the page on like social media where it's like, here are a bunch of options that you might not know about, but we're suggesting them right. based on stuff you look at. Yeah, yeah. It's all dudes. Oh, sure. With sure, their shirts sure. off. Yes, absolutely. And Brandy <laughs> gets like, what are you doing? Why are you looking at this? Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I had a great. You didn't happen to listen to it, did you? With um, uh, Rob McElhenney and not yet. I think I just yeah, Rob McElhenney. He taught me if there's a vowel after the C, it's ek and whatever. It's McElhenney and um, Kumail Nanjiani. I love him. He's the greatest. Wait, were they on together? Yes, I love Kumail. Me too. He, he was on this show. Oh, he was. Yeah, he's spectacular. I love him. And it was all about male bodies. Yeah. All we talked about was male bodies and how we send each other pictures of each other with our shirts off and other dudes whose bodies we want to look at. And, you know, we're really trying to break it down because we're in on the joke and yet we're not in on the joke. It's one of the most fascinating pursuits of my life. Yeah. Because I'll look at anyone else who's trying to get jacked and I'm like, what an utter waste of time. Right. Why Who are you going Are you going to compete? I was just making fun. We were laying in bed and one of my daughter's stuffed animals is a truth teller, right? So at night, she's, she talks to everyone in the family. And she'll say, don't lay that big head down. It's enormous. Give it a rest. And in this, the, the bunny got on dad. And I was like, what are you preparing for? What tournament do you think you're entering? You're dedicating 12 hours a week. Anything would be a better use of time than that. Take a nap. Like, the absurdity of me putting any energy into it for what right. is preposterous, yeah. and yet I do it. And so I'm like in on the joke and I'm not in on the joke. Yeah, I don't – I'm with you. When I sit back and go like you wanted abs, you got abs. What do you want now? Obliques. But obliques is like you never thought about obliques before. Why is this? And it's just to have something to make a plan to do. That's yes, it. Yes, yes, it, yes. It's almost Buddhist. Like you're doing it for the joy of doing it. Yeah. But it's not really. But but I was, as a kid, very fascinated with like uh, those twins that were super jacked in, in DC Cab. Yeah. The, the the Conan the Barbarian movies, I was like, oh, my God, can yeah. you imagine? And for me, clearly I was in deep search of masculinity and a masculine approval because my dad wasn't around. So, like, I'm kind of aware of it. And, again, even with the explanation, it doesn't uh, excuse me from that interest. Like, just knowing that doesn't do anything to it. I still want to stare at dudes' muscles. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is. We should go to – um the Arnold Classic. And we'll oh, watch a bodybuilding show. I would love to. Me too. I went to the only bodybuilding show I ever went to. That one of Bree's friends was super interested in it, and we went to the Culver City like Civic Auditorium, and it was a real amateur affair, <laughs> right? In the best way possible. And one of the things I witnessed there, I will never forget, which is a man with a fairly fine physique. You know, no one there is the, like the dudes we're looking at on Instagram. Yeah. 
This guy was fully engorged his whole routine. I mean, he was hard as a rock. And I was like, look at this guy. He's just going to he's gonna go right through it, and he's going to just ignore the fact that he has a raging heart on. Really? Yo, he couldn't have been more erect. I don't know that I've ever had an erection is, is like this what man had. Do you, do you think it was like something he took? Maybe something he took. There, there, there's so many things they're taking. Right. And all the flexing. I don't know if the blood rush there, but... But man, he had a flaming boner, and it was so amusing to watch. It was just God, the greatest. That would be fantastic because mostly that is the one time where I'm like, "What happened? They got really big, and yeah. none of them have dicks." No, this I is, agree. This is this is definitely not something I want to achieve. Enough, enough so that I'll find myself wondering: Is there some effect? That, right. that that activity has on that, yeah, or is it proportionally they are so enormous now that that looks? I don't know. It's all, really but you never small. see a big crank yeah. in those. Uh, never. No, the Olympics, on the other hand, is great penis watching. I'll just throw <laughs> right, out there. like gymnast in the tight pants. Nate and I have a hobby. We've included some other people now, and every summer Olympics, where it was so you're getting a video once a day, like some right. sprinter where the dick is just going. Bam, bam, like right. back and forth Maybe from one out leg of the to shorts. The, yes, there's a famous picture of uh, one of the like Swedish gymnasts or something. He has a full erection in the medal ceremony. <laughs> uh, course, why not? Like, right. I remember when my dad bought me as a surprise, he bought me a Honda Spree, which was unimaginable that I would get a moped. And he said, Hey, if you want to go to Anderson, go look at Sprees. I'll take you to look around, but you got to clean the garage first. And I yeah. go, Okay. So I walk out in the garage to clean it, and by God, it's fucking sitting there. Best, best thing ever. Yeah. I immediately get on it. I start riding around the neighborhood, and I just have a fucking boner for 30 minutes. Right. I, that's not happened since, but like at 12, elation somehow got mixed up in that. So yeah. I, I was like, oh, I, I understand how this metal ceremony. They're very happy. Yes, and, and elated, and God knows what could happen. Yeah. It's very exciting. That's the way to do it. Are you it. also obsessed with men's penises? Because I, I I find great interest in anytime I can spot a penis in real life. Like a lot of football players don't wear cups anymore, which seems crazy to me. Yeah. And if I see like someone's dick flopping around, I find that so hysterical. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. It's nothing I've really ever thought about, mm -hmm. but it is something I am looking for. <laughs> It's something I am actively um, – my yeah. eyes are always, no matter yes. what, bodybuilder, check, yeah. abs, check, uh, how's the package? Uh -huh. Is it there? Is it visible? It's always something I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or anytime just someone's in spandex, I'm yeah. like, okay. And probably because if I put on spandex, my first thought would be, I hope my penis doesn't like look small. Yeah. I uh, wore spandex oh, quite a bit on bike riding. Yeah. And was very self-conscious about this and got a lot of shit from Brandy. She's just like, you're naked. Uh, right. And <laughs> I got comfortable with it that it was visible a lot uh, of the time. Sure. Yeah. Well, as long as it's visible in a, a you know, in a respectable manner, right. why not? I never once experienced erection in while, spandex. While biking. Never. Or at the gym. Never once. Yeah. Never once have I, I – and it actually makes me think like – are these guys healthier than I am? That's my thought. These guys who can stand on a podium in front of people with an erection. <laughs> and get an erection. Is that a metric of health that I'm missing? It's enviable. Yeah. Well, do you remember the Forks Over Nikes documentary? Yeah. 
You saw it, right? Yeah, that's all about how meat is bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a car- famous cardiologist involved, and he yes. put these guys on a program. So I went vegan for a year after seeing that. But he said the penis is the canary in the coal mine. Right. If you have perfect cardiovascular health, your dick will stay hard to your 90. He had like a 90-year-old guy in there that said his dick was just rock hard all the time. Yeah. And I thought, it sounds like that guy has more hard erections than I do. And I was 39 watching I mean, it. yeah, at a certain point, <laughs> I go back to my childhood and I'm thinking I didn't have – I couldn't have gotten an erection standing on a podium. Right. No shot. Or on a bodybuilding show. Maybe you'll add this to your metric of health. I think so. I mm. mean, I'm now going to want – I now need to go get a physical. Have a urologist snoop around in there? Yeah. Take a take a look under the hood. I've had a penis injury. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I should tell the story. In fact, I asked my wife if I could tell the story on my own podcast the other day, and she didn't seem super excited about it. Suffice to say, I was concerned about my penis. I went to the urologist. He said, oh, I think you have something called Peronis. Do you know what Peronis is? No. Or you, you can have a penis injury, which I had, and then some of the tissue can die, and then more of it can die, and it can change the shape of your penis dramatically. My God. And I was absolutely panicked about this, and here's the best part. I, I go to him, and he's like, well, to be honest with you, there's nothing I can really tell by looking at your penis uh, limp right now. And I said, okay, well, I can't imagine how I would get an erection in this room. And he said, no, no, I don't expect you to, but I want you to take a picture of it the next time it's hard. And send it to me. And I go, you want me to send you a dick pic? <laughs> and he goes, look at my phone. He opens up his text. And yes. His whole fucking feed is dick pics. Oh, my God. All these patients sending him dick pics. I'm like, all right. So I do that. He goes, okay, I think this is Peroni's come up back in. I go, okay, what are the options here? And he said, well, this generally goes one of two ways. It gets worse and worse and worse until we have to do something because it will end up turning to the right so much that you can't have sex ever again. The procedure to address it, the surgical procedure, is only 50% effective. And the other 50% of the time, you will never have an erection again. And I'm considering all of this at, I think, 39 is when I went through this. And he had me meet with the surgeon. And he's telling me how low the percentage is. And I'm really freaking out. And the guy goes, listen, let's just give it six months and see where it goes. And so for about six months, I was in a tailspin. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Well, I deserve this. This thing's not going to work ever again. This is – feels Talk like about like life becoming meaningless. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, salt is not even no. in the same world. Yeah. Lo and behold, a year – about a year later, it just all returned to normal. Right. But I was terrified. Thank God, Dax. <sighs> Yeah, I'm very happy. I'm very happy to hear that. That is a terrifying story and a cautionary tale. Well, I hope anyone with newly diagnosed Peronis, by the way, could they have given it a grosser name? No. It sounds like pepperoni. Yeah. I'm afraid you have pepperoni penis. (laughs) Which is not what I want. No, it's terrible. Insult injury. Yeah. But anyone who's newly diagnosed with Peronis, don't worry. It'll likely sort itself out. Right. That's the thing to take away from this. Yeah, I think so. Get it checked under the hood and think optimistically. And I hope I didn't lose any sponsors telling that story. <clears throat> I don't think you did. If you think you did, <laughs> if you if it's possible that you did, tell us and we'll cut it out. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. Me undies wouldn't mind that story. No. No. It's some, I mean, they just might have to have the package, the little sheath, whatever it is. Speaking of which, 
I've never worn a pair of panties that more accentuated the look of your package than MeUndies. Because it holds it right up out front. front. Yep. Yeah. Fucking fell in love with them on chips. Yeah. I was actually wearing them before they were a sponsor. And you feel great in them. But was it a little bit too to show off? For sure. Because yeah. it was a scene in which Ryan Hansen and I are banging our penises together in underwear. And while Pena looks right. and is getting freaked out. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you want, I want, you know, you need to see that the dicks are hitting each other. Right. It can't just be like a suggested mound. You weren't, you, I just, I just thought maybe you had a sock in there. No, 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 no. And in fact, it was at the tail end of my no salt trying to dehydrate. Yeah. Which is a bad position for your penis to be in. Yeah. Cause everything's not working great. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Mm. Dax, thank you so much. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah. I adore you. I adore you too. I've talked about it before on my show, but I, I if I had to list the most magical person I've ever met in my life, you, you're definitely in the top three. Thank I you. always describe you as magic. Just a wonderful guy. No, you're you're genuinely magic. And every time I say it to somebody who knows you, they go, Oh, that's exactly the right word for him. I feel the same way about you, and I felt that on day one in New Zealand. We immediately fell in love. Yeah. And it has never dissipated for me. No. Yeah. We disprove the candle that burns bright. Yeah. Yeah. It just still burns. <laughs> I uh, I look forward to tracking your progress. Yes. And, and looking at your physique. And yours too. I love <laughs> you're on a program too now. <laughs> yeah. That's By right. the way, talking about male physique, you're one of the very few people that I share not nudes, let's not be extreme. <laughs> right. But topless. Sure. Pictures with. Yeah. To go like, look at where I'm at. And I sent you on the other day. Yeah. Of my abs, which right. is generally I won't send that around. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a very thirsty move. Yeah. Do you, if you, well, you did it. You posted on Instagram. I took, <clears throat> I took a picture the other day. I journal every morning <clears throat> and I wake up earlier than my wife. So often I have to go into her closet to journal. Yeah. And then I've been getting cold in the morning, sleep in boxer shorts. And then I, I, I'm in her closet and I get cold. So I grab this robe. It's way too small for me. I put it on. I journal. I then step in front of the mirror and I go, by God, I look like Tyler Durden. Like just <laughs> the, the, the image of the too tiny robe. Yeah. And so I popped a picture off. And in in general, I got to say, I got to take about a hundred pictures of myself to like one. Sure. I fucking hate how I look. Yeah. And I looked at this picture. I was like, I like this picture of myself. Can I post this picture? Like, what does that say about me to post this picture of myself? Obviously, I I landed on I can't. Right. But then I was like. Could I have a friend post? <laughs> I still want well, the also, approval why not? and the attention. Why can't you post it? Because I'm striving to be somebody who doesn't want the approval and attention like that. I, that's not a road that's led me anywhere good. Okay. So, if, it's, if it's a bad road, then I appreciate you not posting it. Mm-hmm. However, I would simply say that you might not have even thought to post it two months ago or before you started this iteration of mm-hmm. fitness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it could just be uh, patting yourself on the back for what you've done. It might be the natural end to a guy driving a lowered charger in vaping. That's true. <laughs> it might complete the trifecta. <laughs> right. That's also true. I, uh, I think I'd hate an actor 
I think if I was scrolling through an actor's Instagram and he had a picture of himself looking jacked, shirtless, and he tried to, but that's he tried what to, I do. But but yours is much different. You started in the public eye okay. as someone much bigger. But I is, I feel all of this. Do you? Every picture. First of all, there's always thirty. Uh-huh. That I'm like, this is awful. Yes, I look like And yes. they're all sneak. I'm sneaking all of them because God forbid you're you're caught taking a picture of yourself. My wife caught me the other day in the gym. It's awful. Fucking humiliating. It's awful. I had to bring it up three hours later. I'm like, I'm still embarrassed. Yeah. I walk down there and I'm in me my too. me undies taking a picture. <laughs> if another human being sees me, it's I. It ruins my day. Yeah. Yeah. And then posting it, I'm like, what am I doing? This is so pointless. And awful. And then I have to talk myself into how it's okay. But I think you could talk yourself into it too. You know, crazy enough, I left one part out of that Kutcher conversation today. What? I I said I'm full in getting jacked. He has another theory, which is you look better if you stay thin. He's probably right. Whatever. He's saying you personally or one? In general, yeah. His, His theory on aging with grace is to just remain thin. He's looked at other actors and he's like, you know what? Those ones that just stayed thin, they look great. Yeah. They get in their 50s or whatever. He's probably right. But anyways, I, I sent him a picture of me making a muscle. Yeah. I said, I'm trying to get jacked. And he said, I've been putting on a lot of muscle myself. And he fucking sent the picture of you. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. And then I said, oh, my God, I'm going to see Ethan today to do his podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. So this morning. So in that way, the Instagram picture is awesome because he saw it and has it. Yeah. And send it to me. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I, I. But let's let's reverse it. Imagine you're going through Kutcher's Instagram. Yeah. And you see a picture of him, and he looks fucking awesome. He's uh, looked awesome forever. <laughs> he sure has. He's an athlete. I, I. It would not surprise me to see a topless picture of him in his Instagram feed. Like I'm sure there is one. Is there? But not? what would your re- what would your real response be? Don't you think it'd be a little bit like, dude, you're already fucking gorgeous. We, we we already know you're gorgeous. Yes, I guess from Kutcher. But what I want from I'm, Instagram, I'm, in, I'm, in the, I'm the exact point between you and Kutcher. <laughs> like I see the picture of you, and I'm like filled with happiness for you. You see the picture of Kutcher, and you're and like, I'm like, What's this come on, doing? dude. We you don't need to sell you us. Won the race. Yeah. Come yeah. on, man. Let us breathe over here. And I'm in no way, shape, or form a Kutcher, but to somebody I'm a Kutcher. Sure. To, you're a Kutcher to me. <laughs> to me, I would just group you in with him. For sure. Every oh, day of the boy. week. Oh, boy. Forever. Thank you. thank you. I would not, but thank you. Yeah. I know. He one I time said when we were shooting that show, we were all on uh, the ranch. Yeah. He said, hey, they want to, you know, they're going to announce you're on the show. They want us to take a fucking selfie you cool with that and i was like yeah he's like cool he holds this fucking camera down by his knees and takes a picture of the two of us and of course i look like a fucking monster i look like the the beauty and the beast and he looks perfect yeah it looks absolutely perfect i was like you literally you have the freedom to hold the camera wherever the fuck your arm is yeah and that it'll just look great no that's true that's one of the things that we could be disgruntled about is the angle doesn't matter He's going to look exactly the same, yeah. I challenge you to try to find a bad angle of him. I don't think you can. You're going to waste your time. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, me with my shirt off on Instagram 
feels to me as though I did a proctology exam live on social media. That's what it feels like to me. As far as the level of vulnerability and being exposed. I don't take my shirt off. Mm -hmm. I don't feel confident taking my shirt off at all. Yeah, you told a great story on here. You were doing a movie and it was with a great director and it was just kind of, oh, it was Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, that was a that was such a great story. Yeah, that you were able to just say, be vulnerable and honest. Yeah, and and how much that just solves everything. And it, by the way, I was prepared to do it. Sure, and prepared to just like, hate it, be miserable, mm-hmm. like feel as though I was being violated. However, I had agreed, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a fucking tough day. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah, was it eye opening? In that there's kind of sometimes there's there, – there, historically there's been this kind of – well, ultimately what does misogynist take on like if an actress signs up for nudity and then it's the day and then there's like a battle about it, people will go like, well, you shouldn't have said you were going to do it. Like that that's an old-fashioned – That's really my position. Right, but but having been in the position, don't, yeah. don't you have so much empathy for it's like, well, yeah, in theory, I thought it'd be this, and now I'm here, and this, you know, I don't want to do this. Hundred percent. Yeah. However, here's my other point of view on it. It was a scene where everybody's naked, right? And so I, I rationalize it. And by the way, this is – I can recognize that this is just me rationalizing it for myself Mm -hmm. that what will it hurt if just I am not naked? Yeah. If everybody that day comes to Scorsese and says none of us feel comfortable being nude. (laughs) Yeah, we got a problem. That's a a disaster. Well, that's a mutiny. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so if it's one person and the scene in some Artur's – eyes requires nudity and they say i'm not comfortable doing this now that destroys the scene for the director and so that i i I don't know this is my rationalization of it i would have felt uh fucked up had i done it Uh uh-huh because some part of you too is like okay well i didn't want to do that but i valued my desire to be in this movie with this director. And I'm a little disappointed in myself that I would value that more than me feeling comfortable. Totally. And I think that's a similar thing that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. It's a complex issue. You know, there, there are also circumstantial things. Like I read about that girl on uh, game of Thrones who I think at deep into it was kind of like, guys, I don't want to be naked anymore. Amelia Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed her about this. About you did. Yes. And I gotta say, in her defense, her life is now very, very different. Years later, she's getting a lot of other attention now that she wasn't getting prior to this. That's right. And it's become burdensome to be naked. And potentially dangerous. Sure. Well, I had her on, and and by the way, I was. This is one of the few times where they really fucking screwed over a guest, right? where they where they where they framed a, a a tweet and a headline that was just not fair to what she had actually said, and it was on your show. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. You might even be referencing something I, that I came might, out of that, right? Because that she did not say 
that she didn't want to do nudity and they kind of strong-armed her. That's not at all what she said. She said it was virtually her first thing. She knew she agreed to it. And then doing it was very uncomfortable and very scary. And what I had to recognize is I've been naked a few times on set. But I'm a dude. A, I can defend myself. B, the whole crew is male. So it's not like I'm looking at the the dolly grip guy thinking he's perving out on me. He's like annoyed he's got to even look in my direction. So A, it's completely different if I'm nude on set than than a female. But her point was way more she hadn't yet learned how to take care of yourself in that situation. Like, you know, and she was saying uh, Jason Momoa was a prince. He was like, you have them have your robe. It's closed set. When they yell cut, they run that robe in. You don't take, you know, you don't hear direction from someone, you know. So he was very protective of her and she was very grateful for that. And she wouldn't have known that. Yeah. And then she said, what's really fascinating is my comfortability, if that's a word, doing those initial scenes my character was also being held hostage i was kidnapped i was being raped by the end of the show i had all the power and i wanted to do the nudity scene oh wow she's like there was no pushback i was like let's fucking do this and i'm gonna own this and it's a different thing i've got the power now wow and I was like, that's a wild ride. That's yeah. like a complicated wild ride. But she at no point was throwing producers under buses or saying she had been any. Right. It was just a, a, the real answer of what the experience is like, which is it's not black or white. It's yeah. not that she, you know. And I was sympathetic to all the things she had gone through. No, I'm sympathetic yeah. to all of it. I, I think on day one, listen, I read those books long before they made a show. Thank God she was nude. She had to be nude. She 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 gets born in fire, basically. Yeah, like yeah. You, you, your clothes are burnt off, right? right? That right, has right. to happen. Yes. Um. She was fantastic, but I could fully s- empathize with the fact that, like, you know, it's such a huge show that five years in, I'm sure all those people had like weird fans. Oh, and, and it's a different story then. Likely one in five men on the sidewalk that she runs into saw her naked on Sunday. Right. And again, for a dude, I would pray one in five women saw me naked on Sunday. Not me. Uh, but A, they don't want to see me. <laughs> right. They don't care. And they're not going to fucking, uh, you know, uh, abuse me or harass me it just yeah it's it's incomparable yeah and i think a lot of times guys have been trapped into like trying to compare oh, oh you're like most dudes would love to know women are masturbating to a photo of them online i certainly would love that if there's a photo of me online that women are masturbating to i am tickled pink okay <laughs> i am so happy for you but I'm i don't feel uncomfortable with the idea that there's a photo that could do this of myself well, let's say it's a photo of you in your biker's outfit and your hog's looking great. Okay. And girls are using it to masturbate. Right. That's so flattering. Sure. But we don't live in a society where 30% of men will experience sexual assault from another man. Right. So how on earth is it comparable? It's not. Yeah. I don't think it is at all. I, 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 I can empathize with a director who has something planned and then that that would For sure. fuck it up. And I can also go like I, I was so – uncomfortable that i i got out of it and yeah. i'm so glad i got out of it thank god i got out of it yeah wouldn't it, I, it would have been very upsetting to me yeah for a long time yeah yeah i mean i'm still like breathing a sigh of relief and that was eight <laughs> years ago sure 
<laughs> nine years ago now. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've dodged any bolts like that. I only I have one two second funny story, which is I had a lovemaking scene in this movie, This Is Where I Leave You. I am virtually a nudist. I, I don't mind being naked at all. I right. love it. I know this. As long as you're looking at me from the front. Okay. I don't want anybody to ever see my asshole. I I, I just don't want that. Fair. <laughs> I think so. It's very vulnerable. But you say asshole. I mean asshole, not my butt cheeks. Okay, good. I, yeah. yeah, fair. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm shooting the scene, and, and this is where I leave you. And, and I get there, and I guess immediately I'm like, oh, I'm on top. Okay. Hmm. I guess maybe I thought I was going to be on top. Well, it doesn't matter because this is an adjustment. Okay, so I'm on top. Clench the cheeks. And we are all we're, – we're naked. Yeah. And then I find out that they're shooting it from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up at the bed, at the foot of the bed. And I say to the director, I, I think you're going to see my asshole. And, and I know we can't see that in this movie. It's not uh, NC-17. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not going to see I'm, I'm telling you that angle. It's, it, and he goes, no, 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 it's not, it's not going to happen. We do a take. There's thrusting the whole nine yards. A cut. Comes in. This is great. Tells me this. And then he takes the fucking sheet, Ethan, and he pulls it up between my butt crack. He positions the sheet between my asshole and the lens, letting me know that most certainly the last take – Everyone at Video Village was staring at my asshole. <laughs> and I walked out of that room and I'm like, oh, my God. Everyone in here just looked at my asshole. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to go to you. fucking catering now. Right. I want to go to my trailer. I want to yeah. fly home. And, like, you need somebody to cuddle with you and hold you and tell you it's and okay. And tell me my asshole's not as disgusting as yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I haven't seen your asshole, but I – I suspect it is as disgusting as you think it is. It's probably not. And and also it's a male asshole. It's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. There's kind of no getting around that. <laughs> yeah. I never, ever considered that this was even a possibility. To have your asshole exposed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's, it's the grass is always greener. Yeah. Yeah. If you look I, at me going like, why don't I get hired to fuck anyone in a movie? I, I had to fuck people in a movie with Kutcher. Oh, and Butterfly Effect. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and and the very first thing I said was, this is going to be under the covers. <laughs> right. Period. With the door closed. Yeah. You're going to hear it from the yeah. other side of the door. That is a that. part of cinema. <laughs> Audio is a part of cinema. A very important part. Yeah, just watch uh, MASH, the uh, the theatrical version. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, very important. The, yeah, the chicken, mm. right? Well, I think it was the it, first time that they he, he you could hear everybody like they're walking. It's a walk and talk, but you're hearing every they mic'd everybody. Yeah, I think it was the first time where it was like it felt like real life all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't know if this is true, but um, there's an author I really like named John Fonte. Oh yeah, Ask the Dusk. Yeah, all of the everybody he's calling for. You know how they're always calling for somebody over the speakers. Uh huh. They're all characters from Fonte books. Oh, really? Yeah. A- a- Everyone. Oh, wow. I had no idea. What oh, a cool tidbit. Bandini mm-hmm. and all of these crazy names are all from Fonte books. I-, I don't know if that's on purpose, but it. Did we read it for the same reason? 
because it's Bukowski's guy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I'm like, oh wait, this guy's his favorite. I have to read it. Yeah, and it delivers. Listen, I'm writing something right now, and when I think about the things that were influential influential on me, it's Post Office Women, mm-hmm. Junkie, and the Basketball Diaries. And Post Office and Women led me to Ask the Dust and Fonte. Yeah, and like. Where did Bukowski come up with this romanticism? Camus? I also feel like I read Camus because of Bukowski. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't uh, like anyone. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And what's the like? <laughs> yeah. I had a psychologist on explaining the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. Which you know, I'm sure. Sure. Which is generally the the people that know least about a topic are the ones who talk most about it. And so yeah. now, now it's very well documented. I said, you know, my boy Bukowski cracked that 48 years ago with a great quote of his. That's like the problem with the world is the dumb people won't stop talking and the smart people are full of doubt or right. something to that effect. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that is spot on. It is true, man. I think the smarter you get, the more doubt you have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that science is constantly just doubting stuff? Yeah, learning the enormity of how much we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I love you. I love you too. Thank you, Dax. Oh, yeah. This has been a blast. I don't know if it fits within your theme, but we talked about muscles a bit. It's muscles. It's health. It's all health. Health. Yeah. And now for the Q&A. Okay. This question is from Travis. Hi, Travis. He talks about, you know, kind of always being the fat kid who wore husky size and you know, just really relates to everything that you've been talking about and sharing on the podcast. And he says, my question to you is this. If you woke up tomorrow and you were 500 pounds again, what would you do first? Fuck. I've thought about that a lot, Travis. Thank you for this question. What would I do first? I think first I would go, fuck. I don't know. I mean, uh, Try to sit up, try to stand up. Those are the first things I'm thinking about. But what I would do first at 5.50, if I woke up tomorrow at 5.50, I would go do a liquid diet. I would try to do the exact liquid diet I did when I was 5.50. And it was two horrendous months of 600 calories a day. And then, you know, I lost 80 pounds doing that. And then I would do... You know, then I think I would do low fat again. Uh, what I'm doing now, I would go, I would start counting calories, and I would, I would do cutting phase followed by a maintenance phase, and I would give myself a couple of years to kick that issue in the teeth. It would really suck to have something happen overnight that I then had to confront, giving a couple of years to handle to. But I think I could get it done in a couple of years, whereas as of today, it's taken me almost 20 years to get where I'm at. And so, you know, a couple of years would be totally confrontable if if put into that perspective. Um, but God damn, if it happened overnight, that would be tough, a tough thing to 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 deal with. But that's what I would do. Thank you for your question. If you have a question you would like me to answer on the show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. 
Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>